Good morning, everyone. Oh, you're going to have to be louder. There's less of you now. You have to be really loud. Good morning, everyone. All right. And good morning to everybody who's watching live or downstairs. Uh, We thank you for tuning in and we welcome you. Um, My name is Jamie. I'm the associate pastor here at at South Coast. And I just have a couple of announcements for you here today and and then we'll get started. But um, first thing is, is the angel tree. Uh, Those gifts are due today. So if uh, you are not here in person or you ha- uh, do not have the gift, please just speak to Kathy. Uh, contact her or Becky if you can, and, and you can get that sort of organized and coordinated with them. So please, we got to get those over uh, so they can be inventoried and accounted for at Teen Challenge. Uh, there is a loss and grief group that will begin a new book entitled Hope in the Dark, Believing God is Good When Life is Not. Uh, it's written by uh, Craig Groeschel, and it, this group meets on Tuesdays uh, as at Diane Fort and Curtin's house in Mattapoiset. And if you've experienced any type of loss or, or, or you need encouragement, please consider joining the group, group. And so for more information, you can contact Diane. She is not here today, but you can talk to either me, Brian, or Kathy, and we'll get you her contact information, and we can go from there. Um, so as you know, and, and, and Pastor Brian is going to get into this a lot more in his sermon today, so uh, I don't want to say too much, but things are changing, right? We are, we're, we're now limited to less numbers, and, um, you know, there's another spike, obviously, in, in um, positive tests throughout the state and the, and the country in general. Uh, that means that we have to make some, some changes, and so I just want to thank all of you um, who have been working with us. I know... It's frustrating, right? I mean, this whole thing, our whole, not just with church, but with, with life in general, work and, and just not being able to do anything and, and, and really just kind of, uh, it's strange. And so, you know, uh, my encouragement and, and my prayer is that we don't allow our emotions to sort of rule us through this season. It's been a tough year. And so my, my, my prayer and my hope for everyone is, is that we really look to God for his wisdom through all of this, and that we don't allow it to, um, to shake us. You know, as a church, this is an opportunity for us to fight, you know, for our faith, uh, to continue to come together, whether it's in smaller groups and in family groups, obviously, or, you know, utilizing the technology we've used in the past uh, earlier this year, like Zoom and Facebook and things like that. We're going to have to do what we're going to have to do Uh, in order to weather this storm again. And so I just, you know, I'm asking you all to join us and lock arms with us. It's a real challenge for us as as a leadership team. You know, we sit down and we try to figure out how to solve these problems and how to keep everyone connected because discipleship is a relational process, right? And and, and really community is where we grow. It's where where the, the church finds a lot of its strength. And so we're really gonna, you know, it's it's no no surprise. And no coincidence that Pastor Brian's message today is all about Christian community. Um, you know, what's going on today and some of the changes he's going to talk to you about actually 
he got after he wrote the sermon. So that's pretty amazing. And it's just the fact that God is always at work. And so we want to thank you and just want to encourage you to keep locking arms with us, to keep staying committed, um, tuned in, and, and really calling and connecting with each other. Uh, if we can't do it in person, you know, because it's really hard. We're always telling people don't get disconnected, right? You've got to stay connected, got to stay connected. And then the state's telling us you can't be connected, right? So we have got to find ways. We've got to be really uh, intent and intentional about finding those ways and staying connected. So it's on us. It's on us. Your pastors can't do all of that for you. Your leaders can't do all that. We're asking you to help us. So uh, as pastor, I don't want to go too far into that. I'll let Pastor Brian really expound on that this morning. But thank you for those who offered to stay home today so that some people could come. I thank you for all of you. There's people in this room who switch out and families who part, part of your family comes, the other part doesn't, you know. It's, it's really cool to see everybody working together like that. And uh, there's going to be more of that. So, you know, bear with us and, and, and continue to, to encourage us as well. Um, we had a baptism fairly recently uh, in a very cold pool at Gary White's house. And uh, we had a few people who were baptized that day. And um, a couple of them are here. Um, I believe one of them is not, um, but she will, uh, will meet up with us at a later time. But if uh, Juliana, is she up here? You can grab Juliana, that would be great. And then Miss Sophia, I know she's here. I see her shining face. Why don't you come on up? You're okay up here. It's all right. And then we'll wait, and Juliana's going to come. She's actually doing the greeting today with, with Amelia, so she's on her way up. So what we do when we, uh, when we um, baptize folks here in the church is we get them a, uh, a personalized Bible. Uh, we want to encourage them and then present them, the folks, to you, the church. And uh, it's really awesome um, to have two young people up here today, you know. Um, it, it's super encouraging to us to know that here in this church that Sophia and Julia are really, you know, um, serious about their faith and they want to take this next step. So we should be encouraged by that as well. If you haven't been baptized, you know, take their example and really consider that. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, it's not the best time of year for a baptism, but uh, Pastor Brian and I have actually done them in January in, uh, I think it was Lake Rico, I almost died one year. And, um, you know, we'll do it because we're that committed to the Great Commission and to helping you all sort of, you know, in your journey. But I just wanted to present... Jack, they cut a square in the ice, and they hold your hands, go on YouTube, and they dip you with your hands fully under, and they pull you out. So you guys, uh, yeah. Yeah. that's commitment. Yeah, it is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you all to just, you know, could you raise your hands towards these two young ladies and bow your heads, and we're going to lift them in prayer this morning and just thank the Lord for their commitment and their faith. So, Father, we just come before you this morning grateful for Julie and Sophia, and even Carrie, who's not here right now. We thank you, God, that you're working in their lives and through this church body. Mm. Father, that they're coming to know you and to commit themselves to you more and more. Uh, it's just such a blessing, uh, a reminder that it's a simple faith, God. It's not about a reaching or a, a attaining a certain level in your faith. 
But baptism is just obedience. It, it's, it's something that you have commanded us to do when we've chosen to follow you, Jesus. So, Father, as these young women, these young girls, they uh, continue on this path, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to sustain them, empower them. Lord, that you would bring a community alongside of them. And, Father, that they would also be part of that community as they encourage others. So, Father, bless them and their families. Continue to use them and use this church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, everybody. Congratulations, guys. Somebody thought we forgot Pastor Appreciation Day, but we did not. <laughs> they just invent things. <laughs> it's the Hallmark people. Well, in the spirit of 2020, Any we decided... Any excuse for me to get candles? Is it a candle, Kathy? <laughs> My wife keeps telling me to stop burning candles. You keep buying them. There's a tension there. Anyway, we, have, uh, we want to acknowledge our team of pastors... And we also want to acknowledge that the pastoral team have wives. So we have, in addition to the candles, <laughs> Laura. Lotion? <laughs> Laura Don't tell anybody <laughs> about that. <laughs> Laura has the candles. <laughs> but um, this is also, in addition to appreciation, this is the month of Thanksgiving. So we want to give thanks to the Lord for our pastors, for their wives, for their families, and for all of you. And Becky, would you please come up here too? <laughs> so you can hold it. <laughs> Becky wouldn't have shown up either if she would have known. <laughs> so acknowledging the teams, acknowledging the teams, we have mugs filled with hugs and kisses since we can't really do that anymore. <laughs> so, um, this is Jamie. Oh, that's the big one. And Jason has Jonathan Tatum. That's cool. That's great. And we have Brian. <laughs> and Becky. I'm going to take these right now so they don't disappear. And also, oh, the candles. We can't forget the candles. <laughs> I'm a connoisseur of Yankee candles, so trust me. They're stuck. There you go. They never have to worry about a loss of candles when I'm around. All right, we have... Here's your bag. Whipped pumpkin spice. Whipped pumpkin spice. And this is important. Pumpkin apple parfait. So thank you very much. You've got whipped pumpkin spice and then you've got I got pecan pie bites. I'm going to eat my nice. candle. We might, maybe we'll trade after. Yeah. Hey, listen, just really quickly, we just want to thank you. It's our honor to serve all of you. Um, this is a privilege and, and, and really like 
neither one of us are really that qualified for this. So <laughs> thanks for letting us do this every week. <laughs> um, Darren is going to um, come up and pray for our pastoral team. This, Darren is part of our leadership group. Dear Lord, the Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for Brian and Becky. I thank you for Jamie and Stacy. I thank you for their unwavering commitment to this church, Lord. I thank you for day in and day out just serving this community, Lord, serving this body, for continuing to pour love into each and every one of us, Lord. I thank you for their leadership, their guidance, their wisdom, Lord, and their unwavering service. Be with their families. Be in the midst of this service, Lord. Lord, and be with this church body and this community. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. It's overwhelming um, to see everything come together, to have a sermon prepared, and to have events unfold, which we'll get into, that tie into what we're going to talk about. Uh, and to be standing here and, and this morning to introduce the topic, I'm going to be talking about the two things, the two essential things, the two things I'm most passionate and excited about, the two things that are most vital to all of our lives, which is the pursuit of Jesus within the context of relational community. We're going to talk about what it means to be a family, no matter what's going on around us. And then, you know, to have come in this morning and, and gotten some, some news about more restrictions and things that we're going to talk about, but then to have also experienced exactly what it's supposed to look like for us to come together and encourage and love one another. And so this morning we're going to talk about something essential to our walk with Jesus, not optional, not anything we can ignore. Authentic, transformational, relational community. And so if we could stand, we're going to begin, we're going to transition to worship now, and I want the Lord to prepare our hearts, our minds, our spirits, because He knew this morning all the things you and I didn't. He knew what I was going to preach on, he, all these things that He brought together for this moment here now. Because there, there's a transition where we're at a, we're at a, a, a point a change point. We're at a significant shift, a place where our ministry is growing and there's a hunger and thirst for spiritual things and yet it's becoming increasingly difficult to minister well. And so we do what we, what we should do is we throw up our hands and we say, Lord, help us. Guide us. Show up, Father. Be present. Give us your wisdom. Give us your heart. We're here as your people to worship you, God, and we, we, we need you. And that should always be the cry of our hearts. And it is particularly so now as we face these challenges that are unprecedented to us, that are unexpected to us, but are not unprecedented and are not unexpected to you, Lord. And so here we are, your people, trusting in you trying our best to obey you. And so, Father, increase our faith, increase our hunger and thirst for your presence, for real community in our lives. Holy Spirit, wreck us this morning in this place. 
bring us fully to the end of ourselves and build into us your, your life-nourishing gospel message. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning, church. Um, so this morning, I just wanted to share a little piece of, um, it's a message that I've been um, kind of wrestling with all week. Um, within our ministries within the church, it's, it's not about just what you see um, on, on Sunday morning. Our ministries are much more, for instance, like our music ministry is much more than just the songs we sing. It's, um, it's worshiping God together in our lives and discipling one another. And so we have meetings and we, we do discuss things. And this week um, I was asked to, to give a short devotional to our team. And what kept coming to mind is um, the unity amongst us in our praise and in our worship. Um, again, not only just in, in music, but in our lives as well. And it brought me to the topic of adoption um, in, in Christ. In Ephesians 1 through 7 and 13 and 14, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, his beloved. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, which is the gospel, of your salvation, having also believed, you are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of your inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise and of his glory. And these statements, it's basically saying like being adopted makes us co-heirs with Christ. It's not like saying that, it is saying that. So we're co-heirs with Christ, which makes us co-heirs and family with one another. So it unifies us. And that's why we do call each other brother and sisters. Amen. So this is the model that God designed, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are unified in one family, addressing one another in our worship. Amen. So this first song, as we sing it, it says who we are. As we are about to sing it, and it's about his power, his purpose, his plan in our lives and who we are to him, his adopted children. Amen. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, 
searching for answers far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Because you're perfect. Because you're perfect in all of your ways. Yes, God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Yes, because he's perfect. Because you're perfect in all of your ways. Oh, you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Because he's a good. It's love so of who he is, amen, and who we are in him. Yes, God. Light 
to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken and great are you Lord yes he is it's his breath it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you all again it's his breath it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only yes god we sing together to you holy father in unity Heavenly Father God, we'll praise your name, and all the earth will shout your praise, and all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing greatness, and all the earth Shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Sing to us. He is. Yes, God. One more time in all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. I love the song. It says, um, there's nothing he hasn't seen before, as my friend said this week. That our shame and our guilt should never keep us from his, from his presence, amen? That should we continually seek him together. It's a song of encouragement to one another. 
to pull up to his table and just leave it all there. And then... I hear the voice of love that's calling. There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands Everything you're going through You keep standing at a distance In the shadows of your shame well, There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place So bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness, there's a Savior and He calls. Bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry. The fear that holds your heart. But through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are So bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your trials and all your worries and your burdens there's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. You can bring it all. Yes, now we bring it to you. You can bring it all. So coming on in and take your place. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners and all you saints, come on in and find your grace. Come on in. Yes, yes God. There's no one who's turned away. No, you So bring it all to the table. Yes, bring it to him. There's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your sin, all your sorrows and your sadness. There's a Savior and he calls. Bring it all to the table. Yes. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that we can bring it all to you, Holy God. That you've called us by name, Father, as sons and daughters unto you, Lord. We are so thankful to you, God. Thankful for this community of believers, Father, that we come together and edify one another each week, Lord. For the leadership and the pastors that you put in, in our place, Lord, and in front of us, God, to, to go before us, to teach us, to help us, Lord, to seek your face, to know your truth. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you in everything, God. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. You know, again, as I'm just praying and, and, and we're worshiping and thinking about how everything comes together, you know, we just sang. We just sang a song. We just cried out to the Lord, bring it all to the table, your sin, your suffering, your sorrow. And yet I really wonder right now how many of us are doing that. How many of us are here with, with sin and with sorrow and with struggle and are going to leave here with those same things? And I think we have to believe, I think the hope of the gospel is that we, we can encounter the risen Christ and that that can be different. And so I hope, I really hope and pray that you'd strongly consider that if you're here this morning with that kind of a burden on your heart, that you believe that the gospel has the power to remove that and that you don't leave here with that same burden. Because we're all, we're all burdened, you know, and as I'm, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit would unravel and would wreck us and, you know, and I'm there and, you know, I think I know what I'm going to talk about and I have my notes and, and as I'm there and as I'm, I'm thinking about how, how to talk about Christian community and all these challenges and I'm, and I'm kind of trying to navigate through this and, and the Lord's telling me, you know, 90% of our, of our spiritual lives should be our own, you know, our own study our own devotion, our own time of fellowship with one another, our own, that should be, the vitality should come, that 90% should come from what we do. 10% or less should come from the Sunday morning experience. And we as the church have made that, that 90% of our experience in our spiritual lives comes from this 45 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And as I'm sitting there, maybe the Lord's saying, maybe, maybe we need to stop. Maybe we're being forced into a personal repentance, a personal spirituality, where there is a place for gathering. There is a place for the body to come together and be equipped and to worship the Lord. That's always been the intention. But the focus needs to be our personal spiritual vitality, our repentance, our renewal, our spiritual nourishment when we're alone or when we're together in smaller groups. And then we come together and embrace what God's doing on a larger scale. This was never meant to be where you get most of your nourishment. And here's the critical part of the sermon this morning. If Sunday mornings, as important as they are, are where you're getting all your nourishment, what's going to happen as we continue? I just found out, and I'm, I'm telling you guys this now, we, 
You know, I, we're preaching on community, and the leadership team met Thursday, and we're looking at the, the budget in the coming year. We're looking at ministry and the vision, and all these things are coming together. And I want to talk about the challenge. How do we, and this is like, this is different than a normal preaching. This is kind of, you know, just a, a little bit of a discussion. Because how do we as a body of believers, how do we grow in our, in our personal relationships with Jesus and our intimacy and, and with one another, our relationships, how do we do that in this context? And so we can either give up and not do it, or we can say, we got to find a way. The most important thing in our lives is our relationship with Jesus and our, relation, our relationships. Love God, love one another, right? That's it. That's what we're going to talk about. But, you know, the, the reality is that as the guidelines have continued to change and as the infections have increased and Fairhaven's a hot zone and all that, now we're finding out that the limitations in this building have to do with the square footage. Which means, functionally speaking, we're not going to be able to meet here. Which means that all of our efforts and, and, and pivoting to try to find ways to, to re- continue to reduce the size, it's, it's not going to work. We have guidelines, we have, we have landlords. So what do, what do we do? Are we discouraged? Sure, yeah. Are we sad? Yeah. I was already sad when, you know, my, my pastoral job is to sit and figure out which 50 people I should sell, tell to stay home. And I have to look and say, well, man, I can't tell that person to stay home. They, they just lost a spouse. And, well, I can't tell that person to stay home because they just lost their job. And I don't want to tell anybody to stay home. But here's the call, guys. Here's, here's the, the, the struggle, right? We're called to fall deeper in love with Jesus first and foremost. That, that, that's, you can, that's non-essential. That's vital. We talked last week about Jesus stepped away from the crowds to be nursed with the Father. If the Lord has us in a season of stepping away from this kind of gathering the way we'd want to, then what do we do? Maybe it's time for us to focus on a season of personal repentance, of personal spiritual renewal. Maybe so then when we can gather, we're going to have gratitude I don't know about you, but can you, re- can you even remember the last time we met before all this happened? I mean, I th- think if you were like one of the people that it was like slept in that day, right? It would be sad. Because we long for that. We long to be connected somehow. And Pastor Jamie and I, we had talked about doing two services. We had talked about and we will make ourselves available like online as far as, you know, we, we're talking about trying to get smaller groups or family groups together, but also talking about online things and also talking about, hey, every Tuesday or whatever, I don't know the, the, the time, but there's two hours this week, Brian's available for Zoom to pray with you, to talk to you, Pastor Jamie the same, whatever. My point is we have to find a way to remain spiritually connected to Jesus as individuals and to the body of Christ together. Because now more than ever, I mean, you know, we're at a, we're at a, a crossroads, right? We're at, not just in, in our church, but in, in the world, in the country. There's all this spiritual renewal. We, we have more people that want to attend than we ever have right now in the middle of a pandemic. Praise the Lord. And so how heartbreaking is it as a leadership when we have to tell some of them to stay home? And then the Lord says, 
Remember last week what you just preached on? You preached on Jesus in the middle of a fruitful ministry where the crowds are increasing, stepping away from the important to focus on the vital. What if the vital is my relationship with Jesus and your relationship with Jesus? And what if we've neglected that? Now, maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't. But maybe you have. Maybe I have. And so maybe what the Lord's doing is just saying, you know, there's a place. There is a place for coming together. We know. Nobody's saying abolish this. But maybe we made this what it was never supposed to be. Maybe this is a substitute for a real spiritual life. Maybe for some of us, this is what we do so we can say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I was at church on Sunday. I don't know. I know I'm not speaking to everybody, but I think I'm speaking to some of us. So this morning I want to talk about something that's essential to our walk with Jesus. It's not optional. It's not something that we can ignore. And here's the thing. The, the, vit the vital piece of what I want to talk about is still connection. It's still connection to Jesus first, and it's connection to one another. And we got to adapt, and we got to find ways to do the connection to one another part. But embrace the opportunity to focus on the first one. Because we, we, we all have a million excuses for why we can't spend our time with the Lord. And then he starts to strip those away, and we make more. I mean, how many people can honestly say, maybe, you know, for like a little bit of time, some of us were like more intentional with some of the spiritual discipline stuff. But I mean, how many people, how many people sustain that? It's easy to get distracted. So am I telling us this so we feel conviction? Sure. Shame and guilt? No. Motivation to change? Yeah. An honest assessment of where we are? Yeah. Our problem isn't so much finding the time. Our problem is making the right priorities. Community makes a difference in how well we persevere through struggle and how well we as Christians progress toward maturity. I've had the pleasure to share my testimony hundreds of times, you know, maybe more than that by now. And every time people will say, you know, I know obviously it was you know, the connection to Christ, the Lord in your life. Other than that, though, like there's a lot of people that have that. Darren and I have spoken. A lot of people that have that, and they still kind of don't make it. What is the, what, what's the difference maker? I mean, how, and without a doubt, I've always said I've never had to think about it. I had community. I had authentic community. I had real relationships. Jesus relationships. Authentic tr transformational relationships. I had people who loved me enough to tell me the truth even when I didn't want to hear it and it was uncomfortable, and that made all the difference. And if you don't have people in your life that love you enough to tell you the truth, you can't grow toward maturity. You're not going to progress as a, as a Christian spiritually, but this principle is just even, I mean, David, psychological. This is, you can't progress toward maturity as an individual if you're isolated from any sort of community. We're created for community. And so here's the struggle. There's this longing... For us to exist, to live this out. You, you read the whole New Testament and all the scriptures I'm going to read, everything I'm going to talk about, it's lived out in the midst of community. 
It's never, the context is never just individualized. And yet, in the midst of that, we're not connected as physically as you want to be. So what do we do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present some, I mean, scriptural uh, recommendations toward community. I'm going to talk about some of this stuff. And now we're going to have to find a way forward. We're going to have to encourage one another in our relationship with Jesus first and somehow try to find ways to stay connected. Whether that means in family groups. Whether, listen, I hate Zoom. I don't want to have a Zoom meeting. Listen, you know, nobody. I don't, you know, I'm Zoomed out. But what are you going to do? What's the alternative? So, so you do what you got to do. So there's challenges. There's a spiritual hunger. There's a spiritual thirst here in the body. There's a need to be connected. There's a real need for evangelism out there. And yet you can say the enemy in a, in a spiritual sense has got us in a place where we're going to be disconnected from each other more than we like. So it's vital that what I'm talking about, if, if you're, again, if 99% of your, your spiritual life comes from this, I'm concerned. I'm trying to tell you right now ahead of time, you're not going to make it if that's the case. You're going to get swallowed up by the chaos and the insanity. It's hard enough as Christians who are standing on the gospel and who are together to not get discouraged. But if the enemy in your life takes you away from that vital connection to the Lord, because this is the context, and you don't see some other way to connect to him, you're not going to make it. Do you understand that? Do you see the, 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 the cry of my soul that you get this? You know, we talk about community during communion a lot. But when I pray... And I had a week, you know, I was meeting and, and, and I was reaching out to people who are really hurting, going through some stuff. Counseling with folks and praying with folks. And it was, a, it was a week of just a lot of pouring out. A lot of brokenness. And as, I, as I'm doing that, I, I keep getting back to this. We need to find a way to go stronger together now more than ever. We're going to be physically apart, but we need to grow stronger together now more than ever. People need more support now more than ever. Jamie's going to be sending out an email asking, you know, how can we come alongside you? I would, we would love nothing more than to support your efforts to somehow, like, hey, you know, I'm thinking of starting this Bible study, or I'm trying to, like, what can I, like, I'm here. We're li- literally here to serve you, to shepherd you, to... I, I, people say this to me all the time, and I get it, and I, it's, I, I know you're trying to be helpful, but... Please don't say to me that I know you're, you know, I was going to call you, but I know you're busy. Not only is it my job, but it's the great privilege of my life to be called by you. That's why I'm here. So please don't tell me, because people say, well, I know you're busy. Yeah, you know what I'm busy doing? Meeting with somebody. Just as, just as good be you. I love you guys, and I know you try to do that to be respectful of my time, but please, we're here to support you. And even now, you know, we, we call us up, we'll pray with you, but we have resources as well. We have a Barnabas fund. We're going to end the fiscal year. We're doing the budget. And we have $2,000. The Barnabas fund is to come alongside people who are struggling financially. We have $2,000. The budget's going to end December 31st, and, and that, that's still there. We didn't spend it. I want to spend it. That's what it's there for. I want to come alongside. Unless nobody in this room has any financial struggle right now, 
So what's happening? Why are there people who are spiritually struggling and who are physically struggling and who have these needs and yet we're, we're, we're missing it? Let, let's, let's get let better connected. Reach out. Let us know how we can pray for you, how we can come alongside, how we can serve you. Our goal hasn't changed, to be and make disciples. There's nothing, nothing changed. And you know what? Scripture is filled with stories that the context changes all the time, but the mandate stays the same. Run the race. Keep the faith. Right? Same mandate. So what do we do? You know, oftentimes it's not some new profound insight we need. We need to remind, be reminded of the core things, of the basic. Here's the basic. We exist, you and I exist to bring glory to God. Point one. We exist to bring glory to God as individuals and as a group. God doesn't say you exist to bring me glory when it suits you, when the conditions are optimum, when you feel like it. If you're a believer, you're a trophy of God's grace and mercy. People look at you and they should see redemption. We should collectively shine the light of Jesus. And the reason it's important when we come together is so we encourage one another. So we, we worship the Lord. So we are, we're built up. We receive a teaching. But then what? Then we go out and we live that out day by day. And the way we do that, we're committed to the scriptures. We allow the spirit to work in our lives. And we're somehow a part of authentic community. We have to be relationally connected first to God and then to each other if we're to be effective as a church. The Bible's timeless. The Lord is timeless. This hasn't changed. This, you know, this is not a new profound insight, but the primary thing. Maybe we neglected it. If we know that we have to be relationally connected to Jesus Christ first, and as an overflow of that, we need to be connected to each other. If we know that that's New Testament living, that there's not a plan B, that Jesus is the center, not an add-on, if those things are true, then we ought to look at how we live in the first one. And if we are, if we're relationally connected to Christ, if we're living in that redemption, then how are we going to be effective? How are we going to reach each other? Koinonia, the Greek form of the word, for communion, it means to share which one has in anything. It means a joint participation. It's a word that, that it references the idealized state of fellowship. It's sort of a perfect union, right? It's a perfect relationship with the Lord and with his followers. Are we ever there? Do we ever attain that? No. Am I ever going to attain a perfect marriage? No. But I'm going to try. <laughs> That's the goal. Is that our goal? Is our goal, as Jamie said, is, that, is our goal to have that unity with Christ and then that unity with one another? Is, is that something we strive toward as a body? As a body. Hebrews 12, 1. This is, this is what, we, what we try and live out. This is why we gather. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, therefore, since we are part of a line of saints and we've seen story after story, testimony after testimony, we've seen God work in our own lives, we've seen God work in the lives of so many people, this is where we stand. We stand with this view over history, over our own lives, and we say, look what God's done. 
Look at what he's done throughout time. Look what he's doing today in my life. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since we have a testimony of what all that God has done, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings us so closely. I love that expression. I love the power of that phrasing in those words. This isn't stuff that you just kind of go like that. Oh, yeah, it's off. That's how I fight my sin, right? Sin's got me. I'm just like, yeah. No. No, that's clinging on. That's a weight. That's a burden. That's, that's going to affect you no matter how you move, no matter what you do. You have to fight to get that off. Some of you, I'm going to preach this message. You're going to leave with the same weight. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that's not the case. That's what this means. So, so what's, the, what's, the, what's the recommendation? What's the commendation? What's the command? Let us lay aside that and what? Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Run with endurance the race. You know, I want to skip through the park too, right? I don't want to run a race. I don't want to endure anything. Maybe a Netflix marathon. I don't want to endure. But that's what life is, right? So that, that, that's what we're to do. That's, that's what we're called as believers to do together. And the next part tells us how to do it. And it's the same message throughout the Word. It's consistent. We're going to see it all throughout these scriptures. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Right now, any problem you have, any burden, any frustration, any, any concern, and I don't say this as a, as a platitude, I don't say this reactively, because you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's absolutely 1,000% the case in my life and in your life. Because we're taking our focus off of Him. We're taking our focus off of His will and off of eternal things. It's our main job as a Christian. It's the vital thing, the non-negotiable, to keep our focus on Christ. Because the scripture is going to say he's not only, he's the source for not only what to do, he's not only the, the teacher and the guide and the director and the example, but he's the empowerment to live it out. And so scripture says he is the pioneer. He is the author. I love the word pioneer, right? He's the one who makes all the inroads and the perfecter of our faith. So the first part of Hebrews tells us what we had to do together. Put, put away the encumbrances, the sin, yesterday, the burdens. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Go forward together for the joy set before him. You want to know what Jesus got for the fruit of his ministry? Because we want all kinds of stuff for the fruit of ours. He endured the cross. Scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that what? You will not grow weary and lose heart. Man, let's just stop there for a minute. What's the message there? The message there is as you consider all the work that's been done by God throughout history and in your life today and as you persevere and run forward, so you don't grow weary, so you don't lose heart, so you don't forget. Remember Jesus. Remember the cross. 
Remember what he did. Remember what he got for the joy set before him. We're saying, Lord, I want to minister right now, and things are difficult for me. It's hard for me to minister. I want your will to be done, but it's not comfortable for me. And then the Lord says, in order to accomplish my purpose in redeeming humanity, I sent my son to the cross. Maybe I'm not promising that it's going to be comfortable for you right now. Will you still serve me? Will you still worship me? Am I still your Lord if what I'm calling you into is a season that doesn't look anything like what you signed up for? Because that's what happened to Paul. That's what happened to all the disciples. None of them got what they signed up for. Is it ever? Is our life ever what we signed up for? See, Jesus is walking with you. Or should I say, we're walking with him. We're following. He should be leading. We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. And when we lose our way, and when we wander and become unfaithful, and when we get ourselves lost, he's there. And he's telling us, don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't forget about the mission. I haven't changed. If everything around you has changed, okay. But find that center. Find Christ inside of that. Run the race that Christ has set before us. It's the same message in Acts 2.42. First they submit themselves and the Spirit of God came. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. In whatever context, there was a devotion. There was a consistent, intentional effort. I want to see groups of like, like family groups, groups of people, if it's live stream, somehow find a way to connect. This should be, if, you know, there should be people in your life that will tell you the truth. If, if there are things you're going, going through, I know we have friends from our past and our lives, and I'm not saying, you know, we don't have connections to people that aren't believers. I'm not saying that. But if you're a believer, you need that one person in your life where if y'all going through something, you can call that brother and sister in Christ, and you know y'all going to get truth. And if you don't have that, man, y'all, y'all losing out this the, the, the ability for you to grow and mature, you can't do it without that. You have to have that. You have to have somebody that, a brother or sister in Christ that loves you enough to tell you the truth. That We're talking about intentional, devoted, Jesus-centered relationships. See, when, when the Bible tells us, awe came upon every soul, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions day by day. They were attending temple together. They were breaking bread. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God, and they were having favor with people, and the Lord added to their number. Day by day, those were being saved. We submit ourselves to him in whatever context, whatever process that looks like in our lives. And we're committed to relationships with people where it's not just about, hey, how was your day? Where we're not just talking about events or occurrences, but we're talking about spiritual things. You know, there's friends you can say, what are you doing? And they list all the things they did. And, and you just talk about what they did and what, they, what their kids are doing and all that. That's fine. Social stuff, that's good. And then there's people that can say, hey, you know, where are you? You know, how can I pray for you, man? Where are you with your walk? 
We need to develop and maintain those relationships. They were together devoted to God. They were devoted to his truth and teaching, to a relationship with him. What centers us, what makes us a people together is Jesus Christ. God exists himself in community, and he created us for fellowship with him and each other. And in this fellowship, this spirit-filled serving others above ourselves living, it's both fulfilling and liberating. And it should be, but, but first you and I must believe that it can be. In our flawed humanity, we need to believe that we can exist in, in transforming community. And, and incidentally, I think it's what Jesus expects from his followers. And I know some people have been incredibly wounded relationally. Whether it's in dating relationships or just relationships, friendships. And some people of self-preservation have withdrawn and have made all their relationships superficial because of that. I see it all the time. I see it particularly in, in my work. And it breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart. And the gospel, and we've, we've looked at before, the curse of sin and the way it affects all of our relationships. But the redemptive power of the gospel is it can restore us. We can be made relationally and emotionally healed and whole. Because we are physical beings and we are spiritual beings and we are emotional beings and we are relational beings. Those are components of who we are. So if I talk about our health in terms of our relational health, and I may say, you know, how's your relational health? How are your spiritual relationships? How's your... And you may say, well, it feels good because that's what I do. Whenever somebody asks me, like, objective truth stuff that I can measure with data, it's always how I feel. And I have to kind of step back and be like, ah, I don't know. They're like, how are you doing with the diet? I think I'm doing good. Do you? What does the scale say? I don't know. I haven't talked to the scale. I think I'm doing good, though. I feel good? No. <laughs> right? This is objective measures, right? So we say, oh, my relationships are good. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm healthy. Got, you know, more to go. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir up one another. That means, that, that, that phrase, let us consider, that means we have to stop and think about it. So that means just one of the things that we should be doing, you and I, is to say, hmm, let me give some time to think and pray about how I can be effective to supporting my brothers and sisters. Let me give some thought, let me give some prayer on how I can come alongside somebody who's struggling in the body right now. Are we actively encouraging other people? Or, and here's the thing, track with me. Or are we so discouraging we're just waiting for someone to encourage us? Because here's the truth, right? Here's the reality. This is, this is what happens. This is how God designed it. If you can step out of yourself, if you're at the place where you're like, man, I can't encourage anybody. I'm discouraged. I'm beat up. I'm, I'm sad. People need to discourage me. People need to pray for me. Amen. You're probably a thousand percent right. But if you can step out of yourself in that moment and you can reach out and you can pray for somebody else, you're going to find that the thing you are looking for, you receive by serving the Lord, by being his hands and feet, by encouraging somebody else. I'm telling you, it can't help but happen that way. And as you do it more and more, you begin to say, you know how many times in my life where I started to just do, be obedient, eventually after 30, 
four years, whatever it was, I, you start to learn. You walk in beats, and then you see the Lord begin to change things. And then at some point, you're serving, and you're encouraging, you're loving, and you're praying for, even if you don't feel like it, and then you go, wait, what was I all upset about? What was my major issue that I needed to be encouraged by? Because I feel great now. Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's big. The whole law of Christ. Everything in his teaching. That's, that's his words, his actions. The fulfillment of everything Jesus was. It's embodied as you have relationships with people to the extent that you're actually bearing their burdens. It means you're so relationally connected, it's so significant that what affects them affects you. Do we have those kinds of relationships? Or do we get rid of the burden relationships in our lives? Whose burdens are we bearing? Church. It's the same message. This is one message throughout all these scriptures. The vital connection we have to Christ and to one another. In order to form any basis for any kind of evangelism. If we can't live out the New Testament, and we're not going to do it perfectly, I get that. But if we can't begin to live this stuff out here, what is it exactly we're inviting people into? Because everybody out there, they have dysfunctional families. They're trying to get into a, a sort of a healthy dynamic, a different thing, right? Uh, Shay and, and Dave, the clinical people, you don't just stop doing bad behavior. You don't just stop doing things that are unhealthy. You begin to do new things that are healthy. You, you replace the bad habits and the bad behaviors. You begin to now walk in a new thing, right? That's, not only is that psychologically true, but, but big surprise, it's spiritually true. But we got to do it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two, I, I love how this starts. And this is, Pastor Jamie and I, this is a lot of times you hear this at a wedding. Two are better than one. Because they have good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Are we walking so close that we're supporting one another? Are we helping others up? Because I get we want to be connected, but we don't have to be physically connected to relationally and materially support one another where there's need. I know it's not as good, but we can pick up the phone. Forget about text. Don't text. We can pick up the phone. We can have conversations. Are we helping others up? Are we, do we have other people who are helping up? We should be ushering each other into the presence of the Lord. That's the third chord. That's the only ultimate source. That, that's why it goes from there's two people, and then all of a sudden it's a chord of three strands. When two or more are gathered. There's a principle of unity in the body of Christ. Romans 12, 3 through 13. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God's assigned, speaking about your maturity level, is going to be in relation to your 
the, the level of humility you display. So if you are mature spiritually, if you have a mature faith, you're not going to be arrogant. You can't be arrogant and spiritually mature. For as in one body we have many members, and the body and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. So Paul sets the stage and he says, Look, this is the whole scene. This is the whole scenario. This is the big picture. By God's grace. You ought to consider yourself not better than or less than anybody. You ought to consider yourself with sober judgment. And then you ought to look and you have to look at what is your gift. And he doesn't say unless you don't have one. It says having gifts. All having gifts that differ according to the great given us. Let us what? Use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. Wait, serving's a gift? Does anybody say I have the gift of serving? Sometimes, you know, people say, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I'm like, well, what are you doing with the stuff you do know? Well, none of it. Well, (laughs) maybe start there. Obedience in the little things. The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal. Then verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And if that's not enough, because I'm, I'm, already, I'm already in my mind thinking of the ways I'm failing, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. The word of God. Rejoice in hope. Be patient of trip and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, and show hospitality. The word of God is timeless. It's always written to people in the midst of a struggle who need direction. We are people in the midst of a struggle who need direction. Our question is not what to do; it's whether we're going to do it. Are we going to be obedient? Obedient. Are we using our gifts? Are we using our time and our resources, our prayer and our attention to the body of Christ? Because I read Romans 12 and I said in verse 3, because we know verse 1 and 2 more familiar. But what I read is what comes after that. What's the result? What's the outflow? The same message, all the scriptures, everything I've been saying. Paul begins by saying in chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and and acceptable and perfect. Before Paul's talking about perfect community, he's saying there's a transaction that's taken place. That our response to worship is just to say, here I am, Lord. Step one, that's what we do. Here I am, Lord, use me, and then allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to change our our minds. We're trying to change our minds first so we can change our behavior about stuff. And we need to submit ourselves to God and allow Him to change our hearts first. And our minds will be renewed. And then we'll live out the community stuff. You know how good it is in some sense? I don't have answers for you right now. 
I don't know standing here the best way to move forward to shepherd you right now. And in 20 years probably of ministry, I mean, I don't say that boastfully, but I don't know that I've ever gotten to a place like that. God's no less capable. He's no less in charge. You're not in in any danger because you're not in my hands. You're in his. And we'll find a way forward because we'll rely on him. But I'm not going to pretend that I have the answer to the thing we most need, which is to be connected to Jesus and each other when, when the world is forcing us to be less connected to Jesus and we have to, sh- I mean, less connected to each other and we have to struggle to fight to be connected to Jesus. Because everything in your life and everything in my life right now wants us disconnected from Christ. Everything. And you and I are the only ones who decide whether that happens. And there's no, there's no blame Nothing in your life takes you away from Jesus. There are things in your life that you may allow, but he says, come home. We submit ourselves to God and we become part of this committed discipleship community. There's no other method to make disciples. There never has been, there never will be. It's about living out the gospel truth, the power of the gospel in the middle of community with people that you love. I'm alive because there were people who loved me enough to say, okay, you need to stop. You need to, your life has come to a place where you need to pause right now. You can't, you can't like, you can't wake up tomorrow and take another, you can't make another decision. Time out. You gotta wait. Because y'all going to die. Now, I was physically dying, so maybe it was easier for people to do that. But as Christians, if we people see people in our lives that are spiritually dying like that, and we don't go, hey, brother, sister, wait, hold on a minute. I love you enough to tell you that you are spiritually dying right now. And if we don't time out, it's going to be disastrous. I know when people call me and I pray and I counsel and Pastor Jamie, we want to do that. Don't stop doing that. But you should have relationships with each other where you get some of that too. You should have relationships that are so close with some of the people here that you can call and you can pray. And that's always been the case throughout history as Christians. And I think we've always sort of neglected that. And now we're at a crisis point. Because if this Sunday experience isn't what what it's supposed to be, what's going to happen to your spiritual life? I want want a million calls right away. I want to pray and call with you. I'll exhaust myself. I'll stay up all night. But I don't don't want calls from people on life support. Don't let it get to that point. We beg you, Pastor Jamie and I, the leadership team, because I know there's a lot of hurt and pain and brokenness, and and we want to heal. We want to be hold together. But we, we ought to be encouraged by the promises of God, by the truth of the gospel, and honestly, by the spiritual openness that this situation presents. Because there's not a lot of people now that say, my security is in my job, on my health, on my finances. Everybody goes, man, what's happening? And we can say, you know, might be a good time to refocus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Because we exist to bring glory to God.
at all times, in all contexts. And if at our lowest, if at our weakest, if when we're the most lost and broken, we can somehow reflect his glory, I mean, that's the hope of the gospel. That's everything. That can make the difference in somebody seeing that and and going another day because they see that hope of the gospel in the way that you live. This is real church, guys. This is, the Lord knows what he's doing. It's not what I like. It's not what I want. Maybe it's what we need. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to stand here and tell you I know. But what I am going to say, I'm going to ask Izzy to come up. And before we, you know, sing that last song, I want to read the scripture, but Man, I pray that that song, I don't know what, what we're going to meet again. I don't know. Man, he's going to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Last and man, let, let those words just be the prayer, be the cry of your heart. First Peter 4, verse 8 through 11 says, Above all, no matter what, first things first. Focus on this one thing. Forget about everything else for a second. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Please stand with me as we close. So, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life. More abundant and free through death. Through death into life everlasting. He passed and we follow him there. For us sin no more hath dominion for more than 
are so turn so turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace his word shall not fail you he promised believe him and all will be well then go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell so turn so turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow straight Turn your eyes. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the Father God, we trust you, Lord. We stand upon your word, God. We cast our gaze upon you, Lord, for you are the way. We know that you will lead us through the darkness, Father God. You will lead us through this season, Father. Help us to draw near to you, God, and draw unto one another, Father. We so need you, Lord, in this time. Help us, Lord, to love one another as you would call us to do. Lift each other up and edify one another, Father. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.